Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Oh, here we go. Take your Bible this morning. Go to the book of Jonah, chapter 2. Jonah, chapter 2. I'm going to be like popcorn. I'm going to stand up for a while and sit down for a while. About two weeks past this knee replacement here. And uh, I appreciate all your prayers. I probably said it before, but I, th- I, just, I used to think I was tough until I got this knee replaced. And then I realized that uh, I'm not so tough. <laughs> and, uh, but at any rate, it's a blessing to actually have a knee that works. And now if I fly, then I'll, 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 my knee will set off uh, a security device there. Jonah chapter 2, when you find it in your Bible, would you stand? We'll read Jonah chapter 2 this morning. Jonah chapter 2. All right, follow along in your Bible with me as I begin to read. The Bible says here in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Thou hast, uh, the, for thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed Over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about, the weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Brother Larry, it's good to see you here today with your young and here. Would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching today? Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Now forgive me if I don't uh, walk around like I normally do. I've transitioned from the, from the walker to the cane. I feel like a genuine old person today. Amen. But uh, I'm doing all right and been making some laps around the house without the cane. That's a blessing, but I don't think we'll try that here. I think we'll stay put. And I got, Mama got me the stool here in case I got sit down here. But uh, last week we preached on reasons we run. Reasons we often run as a Christian. And we said that uh, last week the reasons were many, but sometimes we often run because we get spooked. Remember, I'm not going to re-preach the message. I just want to get back into what we were preaching last week because I believe it will segue into what we got to say this morning, what the Lord has for us. We said last week the reason many Christians run the opposite way God has for them is because many times they get spooked. And you see in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2 that the Lord speaks to Jonah and he goes the other way. And many times Christians get spooked. And we said this, and this is 
This is a salient point you and I need to remember. The Lord doesn't want to spook you. He wants to speak to you. He doesn't want to spook you this morning. He wants to speak to you. But many times Christians, they run because they get spooked. Christians run many times simply because they're spiteful. They're spiteful. And they want everything to be about them. And that leads into the next thing we preached about because they're selfish. And because we'd rather sleep rather than face the storm. Of course, you know, Jonah was fast asleep in the middle of that show. How in the world? He must have been one in, them, uh, in one of them hammocks down there. You know what I mean? And I guess that's about the only way you could sleep in a ship, you in a hammock, and it just wherever way the ship went, you went with it, you know, and you wouldn't know that you was asleep. And we said this, uh, Jonah, uh, many times a type of a Christian, you run from the Lord, what the Lord really wants you to do, because you're unbalancing your separation. And we showed you that picture where all the men, I mean all the real, the mariners, the men were up on top of that ship. They're trying to lighten that ship up. But where was Jonah? Well, he over-separated him. He separated from all them. He should have been up there in the top helping them men out. Amen? And sometimes if you and I are not careful in the Christian life, we'll get so tied up with our standards and our separation and what we think God wants us to do, we won't have anything to do with anybody. And then you ain't good for nothing. Jonah, he over-separated himself there. And then finally, we said this. Many Christians run the opposite way God wants them to do because in the end, we'd rather get swallowed up and sail straight. We'd rather get swallowed up and sail straight. You see, Jonah had a chance right there in that ship. He had a chance to get right, but he wasn't getting right, was he? You know what he said? Throw me overboard. The dumbest thing you could do in the middle of a storm. Let me tell you what, when the weather gets bad and things get rough in your Christian life, you don't jump out of the ship. You batten down the hatches, amen, and you stay on the ship. You don't want to get off the ship. Now look, you're on the old ship of Zion. You can't lose your salvation this morning, amen, and we're thankful for it. Why in the world would you want to jump off board the ship? There's safety in the ship of salvation. There's safety in the ship of the local church. You don't want to jump the ship, amen. You want to stay in the safety of the local church God gave you. Amen? You don't want to get off track. Now Jonah, he was a backslidden preacher. Would you agree with me this morning? And you know what Jonah did as a backslidden preacher? He caused the storm. Preachers cause storms. You see that? Right in the text. Preachers often cause storms. Christians, out of the will of God, cause storms. And many times, I'll say this as we try to get into our text this morning... You and I as a Christian, we get swallowed up with many things in life. We get swallowed up, you know, just like this type of Jonah getting swallowed by that whale. We get swallowed up by difficulties. We get swallowed up by trials. We get swallowed up by temptations. We get swallowed up by fighting and strife and envy and division. And whatever the world where our difficulty is, we get swallowed up. And this morning, I just want to preach a real practical message on what am I going to do when I get swallowed up? What am I going to do when I get swallowed up? Well, can I give you just a couple things this morning? You pray that I'd have a clear enough head to preach, would you? But when I'm all swallowed up, you know what i got to do? Let me give you number one. When I'm all swallowed up, i got to resort to prayer. i got to resort to prayer. Look at Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. You know, I should resort to prayer because when I pray, He hears me. He hears my prayer. Aren't you glad this morning the Lord hears your prayer? 
It might be a while since you prayed. Amen. Maybe you're swallowed up right now. I don't know. You're swallowed up with the work, swallowed up with the family, swallowed up with snow. <laughs> Amen. I don't know what you but you never tell you, when you're all swallowed up with something, it's a good thing to resort to prayer. Resort to why? Because he hears you. And when you pray, he'll hear you. And I know what the Bible says in the Old Testament. It's, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. And listen, you can't have a good prayer life if you've got sin, unconfessed sin in your life. You're listening to me this morning. You can't have a proper prayer life if you have unconfessed sin. Listen, right now, if you're holding on to sin, that's the first thing you ought to be taking care of with the Lord is your unconfessed sin. Then he'll hear you. You got it? But let me tell you what, when you're all swallowed up in this life with whatever it is, the troubles, trials, the difficulties, you should resort to prayer because he hears you. Not only that, the reason you should resort to prayer in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 is because God is the author of your afflictions. I want to remind you this morning, God is the author of your... He is the appointer of your afflictions. Let me read you what 1 Thessalonians 3 and 4 says, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. You know what the devil wants you to do right now? He wants to move you away from your closeness with Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to do. He wants to utilize whatever you're swallowed up with, and he wants to distance you from your fellowship with Jesus Christ. Paul says, For verily we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass. And you know, God is the author of your afflictions. He appointed those afflictions. He says that we are appointed thereunto. So we should resort to prayer. Why? He's the one that schedules them. How's your schedule lately? You've been keeping the schedule of affliction? Some of you say amen. <laughs> because some of you have been afflicted pretty regularly, haven't you? You know, God's scheduling those afflictions. You and I, we go to prayer, don't we? We go to prayer and say, Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for goodness. Thank you for saving me. And I pray that you give me a good day. You know what the Lord gives you? He gives you afflictions. <laughs> and you say, what about the good day? Well, <laughs> you ought to talk to him because he's the one that scheduled it. Not only that, we ought to resort to prayer because God alone can deliver me from these afflictions. God alone can deliver me from these afflictions. David says there in Psalm chapter 34, verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. Out of every affliction, the Lord can and will deliver you. Are you being afflicted this morning? I don't know. Are you swallowed up with something? You swallowed up with family problems? You swallowed up with pride? You swallowed up with trouble at the workplace? The Lord God can deliver you from them all, but it's going to take some time in prayer. I often wonder why sometimes things became so difficult in life, and then I came across that verse in Proverbs that says, the way of the transgressor is hard. <laughs> Amen? You ever just stop and think the reason your life's so hard is, is not because the Lord's always picking on it, because you're just a rotten sinner, <laughs> and you like to sin, don't you? But you know what? You can talk to the Lord because he'll listen. You can talk to the Lord and you should resort to prayer because he's the one that's appointing all the affliction. And you should resort to prayer because God alone can deliver you from all these afflictions. You remember when Moses and... Uh, I'm sorry, Moses. Man, that's a crazy medication here. Uh, Joseph and Mary, uh, they went to the temple and they lost Jesus Christ, of course. And you know where they looked for Jesus Christ? They looked from among the family, didn't they? And he wasn't there. And then they looked for Jesus Christ among his friends, and he wasn't there. And then looked for Jesus Christ among their acquaintances, Luke chapter 4 says, and he wasn't there. You know where he was? He's right where you left him. 
He's right where you left him. Where'd you leave the Lord? Where'd you leave him? Where'd you leave him in closeness? Where'd you leave him in fellowship? I'm telling you what, only God can deliver you from your afflictions this morning. You ought to resort to prayer. You know why you ought to resort to prayer when you're getting all swallowed up in things in life, like Jonah did? Let me tell you why. Because these afflictions, you know what they do? They help me learn and help me keep the Word of God. You know what afflictions are going to do in your life? Things that you're swallowed up with? God's going to use those to help you learn that book in your lap better. You know what you and I need to do? We need to learn that book better, and there's only one way to do it, and that's through trouble. That's through suffering. That's through persecution. That's through afflictions. That's through difficulty. That's through misunderstandings and miscommunications. Everyone wants the rosy Christian life. Okay, you can have a rosy Christian life, but you never learn that book any better. Bible says here in Psalm chapter 119, verse 67, David says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Ain't that something? You know what the Lord uses afflictions for? You know what he lets you get swallowed up with things for? Just so you learn not to go astray anymore. I've learned a lot uh, uh, through study. I've learned a lot through experience. But I've learned more than anything else through the chastening hand of God. I sure have. I've learned a lot through the rod of God. Psalm 119, verse 71, just four verses later, David said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You know, affliction and things that swallow you and I up, it will drive us closer to the Word of God. It will help us learn the Word of God, and it will help you and I keep it. Well, let me tell you this, the reason you and I should resort to prayer can I just be real plain and simple with you in verse 1 and verse 2? Because unless it gets bad, you won't pray. Okay, that went over real well. <laughs> unless it gets bad, you won't pray. You see, there's something about living the good life and having all your bills paid and having no trouble at all. You quit praying. You quit praying. Your closeness with the Lord. You think you got it all down. But all of a sudden, here comes the tough times, and here comes the heartaches, and here comes the wayward children, and here comes uh, the cancer, and here comes the, the medical problems, and here comes the inability to move around like you used to, and next thing you know, you're talking to him more. I remember waking up in the bed after having the knee surgery, and I couldn't, man, I couldn't feel from here down. I knew it was there. I looked and saw it, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't feel it. I said that was a kind of spinal block or something like that, and and say, and, uh, and my mouth is dry as cracker juice there. And I didn't, you know, I don't know, I don't even remember much going on. And, uh, but at any rate, and, uh, and I'm sitting there, and, and it's kind of odd coming out of the surgery there, and all I could do is pray. I said, Well, Lord, I, I can't cut wood. <laughs> I can't do anything in the house. I can't even get out the bed. So I guess I'll pray. You say, What is it? Well, resort to prayer because unless it gets bad, you and I won't pray. You think about the worst things that happened to you in 2022 and last year. They should have driven you to more prayer. You know what we need in 2023? We need more time in prayer. Time to draw closer to the Lord. Well, when you all swallowed up there, I want to show you this. Not only should I resort to prayer, but when I'm all swallowed up, I should recognize the hand of God upon me. I'll say it again. When I'm all swallowed up in this life with things, I should learn to recognize the hand of God upon me. Look at verse one. Uh, look at verse three. Notice what old Jonah says. He says, "For thou hast cast me into the deep, 
in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. I see that word me in that verse three times. You know who Jonah's talking about? He's talking about himself. Me, me, me. You know what he's doing? He's recognizing some things. You and I need to learn to recognize the hand of God upon us in our lives when we're swallowed up. I must recognize the hand of God upon me, uh, not the mariners. Back in uh, Jonah chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, the mariners pop up. It's Don't worry about the mariners. It's not the mariners' fault. But you need to learn to recognize the hand of God upon you. Not the mariners. It's not the ship's fault. Well, if that ship was built better, we'd have a better ride. Not the ship. That's Jonah 1, 3. It's not the weather's fault. You see where I'm going with this? We have a tendency as Christians, when things heat up and we get swallowed up in troubles and trials and difficult, we just start blaming everything around us. Stinking job. Stinking gas prices. Stinking government. I'm telling you this morning, you need to learn and recognize the hand of God upon you. Jonah learned it. He's like, look, this is about me. What's going on is God's hand upon me. But thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compass me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Not the mariners, not the ship, not the weather. Not the Ninevites. Lord, if you wouldn't have called me to go to stinking Nineveh, none of this would have happened. No, that's God's hand upon Jonah. You need to learn in your Christian life to recognize when God's dealing with you. Can you tell this morning when the Lord's dealing with you? You and I were facing a a second or even possibly if a generation is 20 years, 24, we're now facing a third generation that has no idea what correction is. Are you still with me this morning? You know, when I was a boy, I was raised by an old-time old man. He was 50 by the time I was a teenager. And when I stepped out of line, he took me to the woodshed. And he didn't make me stack wood either. He beat the fire out of me. Amen. He took the rod of, uh, he took the board of education and applied to the seat of knowledge. He said, what are you saying? He corrected me. You're, you're now in a third generation that knows nothing about correction. So when God corrects you, can you tell it? Can you understand it? Or is it, why is everybody always picking on me? Can you recognize the hand of God upon you? Or are you just feeling sorry for yourself? I'm trying to help you this morning because you're going to get swallowed up in life with troubles and trials and difficulties. Can you recognize it as the hand of God upon you? Or is it just something you need to go through and endure? Paul says, endure hardness as a good soldier. But if you were never corrected as a young person, you might struggle with understanding the correction of God. Well, it's not the ship, it's not the weather, it's not the whale, is it? Not the whale's fault. It's not the brethren. Hey, can I tell you this morning, whatever you're dealing with right now, it's not your family's fault. I didn't say they were doing everything right, but it's not your family's fault. God's trying to deal with you. Not your family, not your preacher's fault. God will clean his clock sooner or later, amen. But it ain't your preacher's fault. How about this? It's not even your job's fault. God wants to deal with you. 
I've got to start recognizing the hand of God upon me and no one else. Let me give you a little help on this this morning. Listen, if I can recognize the hand of God upon me, take your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to show you a couple things. If I can learn as a Christian to recognize when God deals with me, it'll help you out. I don't know about you, but I need help in this life. I do not have it down. I know as a preacher, I come across like I do, but I'm telling you right now, I'm learning every single day just like you are. I don't have it down, but when God gives me something, I'm going to preach it just like it is. Now look here. If I can recognize the hand of God upon me, look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. You know what I'm going to see? If I can recognize the hand of God upon me, then I'm going to see that He loves me. You see that? Then I'll see that He loves me. Verse 6, the Bible says... For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know, the one thing I really appreciate about the old man that raised me up, every time he'd whoop me, you know what he'd do? After I got done fussing and squalling and bawling, he'd come back around and he'd hug me. You know why? He loved me. I learned who God was from that old man. And he took me to the woodshed many a time. And he wore me out. Not every time I deserved it, of course, just like the Lord don't give you a whooping every time you deserve it either, amen? But every time that thing got done, he would come back around, he'd hug me and tell me he loved me. You know, if you can learn to recognize the hand of God, it'll remind you how much God really loves you. See, a lot of times you think God's just picking on you. God's giving you a hard time. You ever stop and think, that what if he wouldn't do it? What, what if he wouldn't mess with you at all? I'm glad he does. It shows you that he loves me. You ever get convicted about your sin? Somebody's saying that for crying out loud. Look, I know I can't walk around, but I mean, you know, stay awake with me now. You ever get convicted about what you're doing wrong? That's the love of God. He's getting after you with the Holy Spirit. That's a blessing. He said, for whom the Lord loveth, he chaseth. You know what? If I can recognize the hand of God, look at verse 9 and 10. I'm going to eventually see that it's for my profit. It's for my profit. Bible says in Hebrews 12, 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Amen. You know what the old man would say? He says, you mess around. If we're in the store, he says, you mess around. We get home and we'll tan your hide. That's what he's saying. And you know what I learned? He meant business. And when we went to, what was it, Kroger's or whatever it was called there in Tawas City, and I'd mess around and take me home, he'd wear me out. But a lot back then, they just do it in the parking lot, sometimes in the store. Don't do that now. You'll go to jail. Don't be stupid, amen. You're going to correct your kids, take them home, shut the doors, amen. Turn on the fans, turn on the radios, and be smart. The Bible says be wise as serpent, yet harmless as doves. Don't get your tail thrown in the jail because you're an idiot, Amen. But uh, I learned real soon that I was going to not misbehave in the store when we went shopping. Is that too old time? I'm not an old man, but I was raised by an old man. But I'm going to find out it's for my profit. See, he wanted me to behave. He wanted to be a, a good member of society. You know what the Lord wants? He wants me to draw close to him. He wants me to avoid the penalty of sin. He doesn't want me to have the heartache and heartbreak of what sin will bring. So let me get out there for a while, and eventually he's got me on that chain, and he pulls me back in and takes me to the house, and he wears me out. And I find out he loves me, and he's doing it for my profit. So what I'm going through many times, it's for my profit. 
Now that if I learn to recognize the hand of God upon me, can I, can I tell you this? I can finally see that it yields a peaceable fruit in my life. Look at verse 11, Hebrews 12, 11. Now no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Amen. You ever had to wear that young and out? Wear that little one out? Grandkids out? And they're squalling and bawling. You ain't even touched them yet. Amen. This is old school preaching. That's all right. It's still the right preaching. Amen. 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 Not afraid of it. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Ain't that the truth? When God's whooping on you, ain't no fun, is it? Okay. A bunch of liars is what you are. It ain't no fun. It's a, re- it's a train wreck. <laughs> but look at Nevertheless, afterward, and that a blessing, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Let me tell you, when God wears you out, it is a divine, righteous exercise. And when he's done, there's a peace. When that old man, he'd take me to the woodshed and he'd wear me out, you know what there was in the house? There was a calm in the house. And you know what? You can't get the peace unless you get the chastening many times. Many times. Well, let's move on. When you get swallowed up with things in life, let me give you number three. When I'm swallowed up, I need to realize that many times that my fellowship is simply broken with Jesus Christ. When I'm swallowed up, not always, but many times, I just need to understand that my fellowship is broken with Jesus Christ. Look at Jonah chapter 2, verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Now look, we know this, you can't lose your salvation, so I'm using a practical application here. You can't lose your salvation. My standing is I'm saved eternally with Jesus Christ. But my state, my fellowship determines on whether or not I will yield to the Holy Spirit of God and do right. And many times when I'm swallowed up with things in life, it's because I have stepped out of fellowship with the Lord. Stepped out of fellowship with the Lord. And you know what happens? I'm broken. I get broken up. My fellowship gets broken up. You know, if I can realize that I'm broken, you know what I can do? I can learn, I can see that I need to fix my fellowship. I wonder if you have the ability this morning to look at your own Christian life and realize that all you need to do is fix your fellowship with Jesus Christ. You hear some preach and they think everyone's just as wicked as hell and out there uh, hopping the bars and putting boots under people's beds and they may and I don't want to hear about it. But here's the thing, maybe it's just you need to draw closer to Jesus Christ. Maybe you just need to realize that your fellowship is broken and it needs to be fixed. I'm saying this morning it could be as simple as just fixing your fellowship. How's your fellowship with Jesus Christ? Are you close? Just a closer walk with thee. Granite Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord. Let it be. Is that your prayer daily? Or is it just Sundays? Or just Wednesdays? Look, it's a process for preaching in the evening service about spiritual growth. Sometimes Christians don't, only time they know when to grow is they come to church. But you need to realize you need to eat and grow every single day. And sometimes the reason you're swallowed up, the reason you're all in a whale of a trouble, is because your fellowship is broken and you need to learn to fix your fellowship. Well, let me tell you what. If you can see, if you can realize that your fellowship's out of whack, let me show you this in verse 4. You can also realize there's something wrong with your focus. Look what he says. Jonah says, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. 
You know what was important to Jonah besides getting out the whale? Looking back to the temple. You see the practical application there? You know why Christians don't think church is important? They're swallowed up. Can I encourage you this morning that once you fix your fellowship with Jesus Christ, then number two, you can fix your focus. The church will become important again. Now, I know it's important to you because you're here this morning. I commend you for it. Four or five inches of snow, my goodness. What a blessing you came. It is. That's a, that's a tremendous blessing. I'm not getting after anyone who didn't come. Uh, if I was some of them, I wouldn't come hear my preaching either, amen, especially in five inches of snow. But uh, hopefully they can pick it up on, uh, online on the live stream there. But unless you fix your fellowship with Jesus Christ, you'll never fix your focus. Your focus will never be right if your fellowship's not right. Well, if you can learn that you're broken, you can fix your fellowship, you can fix your focus. Not only that, but look at this in verse number 5. Then I can see there's something wrong with my head. <laughs> you know what Jonah said? The weeds were wrapped around my head. If you don't fix your fellowship, you can't fix your focus, and you can't realize you've got problems with your head. You know what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4? That in the last days, you know what your problem is going to be? You're not thinking right. Matter of fact, you're not thinking right so much, he gives you an entire list of things to think on. He says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are, whatsoever, right? Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report. If there be any virtue, any be any praise, think on these things. You know what? If your fellowship's broken, your focus is broken, you got trouble with your head. You see it right in the passage. He said, the weeds are wrapped around my head. <laughs> I can't believe that stuff's even in there. You ever wake up in the morning and the first thing that attacks you is your mind? That's where the battle's at. You know, you, you know, you get up in the morning, first thing he says is, oh, I don't want to go to work. And then he says, well, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. Get out of my mind. Get out of my head. But if your fellowship's right, your focus can be right, and you can get your head fixed. You know, Lester Roloff, that old-time preacher, died in 1984 in a plane crash there. He said, uh, you know, it'll fix all the kinks in a young man's head? King James Bible. Let me tell you what, young men, your heads, your, your heads are kinky, man. <laughs> There's a bunch of kinks in your head. And the more of that book you can get in your head, all the kinks will get worked out. You fix your fellowship, you fix your focus, and then you fix what's wrong with your head. Now look at this. We're almost done there. Look at verse 6. If I can get my fellowship uh, fixed, if I can get my focus fixed, if I can get things fixed in my head, then I can see where I'm, uh, I can see there's finally something wrong with how I'm living. He says in verse 6, Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. You ever stop and think that the way you live doesn't please the Lord Jesus Christ? But you won't know that if you're not in fellowship. If you're not in fellowship with Jesus Christ, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit of God, and you got him blocked right out. If you'd rather live your way and you'd rather be close to you and you'd just rather be close to your family and you'd rather be close to your friends and you'd rather be close to your income and you'd rather be close to your schedule and you'd rather be close to your possessions and you'd rather be close to your retirement you'd rather be close to anything that means anything instead of Jesus Christ, the Lord's not going to show you we're living wrong, but you are. I'm telling you, if you can fix your fellowship, you can then fix your focus. If you can fix your focus, then you can fix the thing that's wrong with your stinking head and if you can fix what's wrong in your head, then you can start living right. Why? Fellowship with Jesus Christ. It's all based upon fellowship. Am I right? 
Is thy heart right with God, washed in the crimson flood, cleansed and made holy, humbled and lowly, right in the sight of God? Is your heart right this morning? When I'm all swallowed up, I need to realize many times that my fellowship is broken with Jesus Christ. Can I give you number four? When I'm all swallowed up, i got to remember God's goodness when I'm at my lowest. When I'm all swallowed up, here's one of the hardest things you'll do, Christian. When I'm all swallowed up, I've been there. Amen? You've got to remember God's goodness at your lowest. He was good when you, before you got in the position you're at, and He's still good right now. Heard the old preacher preach it, and when my daddy died there in November, uh, November uh, what was it, the 10th? The date was it, 10th, 8th, 9th, what it was, 12th, 14th, 4th, bingo, <laughs> uh, November 4th, uh, I said this. God was good to give me my dad, and God was good to take my dad. And you've got to remember, at your lowest point, when you're all swallowed up, you've got to remember God's still good. Can I give you a couple of verses on this? Look at Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. Jonah says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. I didn't remember Sam Bernstein. I didn't remember to call Lee free. Amen? I don't remember my cable subscription. I remembered the Lord when my soul fainted. Why is it Christians, when we get so down, we get swallowed up with everything, do we just turn to everything in the world but the Lord? We're so weak. Hymn writer said, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But John said over there in Revelation chapter 2 that you left your first love. It's like we walk on him just like that. By God's grace, we've been married 26 years, almost 26 years here. We've never walked on each other. Not yet. But we walk on the Lord just like that. I'm just saying... This morning, when I'm all swallowed up, when you're all swallowed up, and it might happen this week, this might not happen for another month. This might be one of the messages you've got to put away for a later date. You've got to learn to remember God when you're at your lowest. You've got to remember His goodness. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, you know the verse, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, how in the world can the Lord be good when my heart's aching and it's breaking? Oh, taste and see. Have you tasted and seeing how good God's been lately. Lamentations, verse 3, verse 25. The Bible says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. Are you seeking after Him? When it's bad, when you're all swallowed up, do you go after Him? Or do you just expect Him to come to you? I love that song, He came to me, He came to me, all that stuff. Amen, I'm glad He did. But do you go after Him? When you're all alone and you're down, no one can help you. No one can understand your misunderstandings, your miscommunication, your broken heart. No one can understand how you feel and how you feel all tore up inside. Do you seek after Him? I'm saying you've got to remember God's goodness when you're at your lowest. Bible says in Psalm 52, verse 1, The goodness of God endureth continually. Continually. It's without end. The goodness of God endureth continually. 
I'll give you one more. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. You know the verse inside and out. It says, The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Ain't that something? You know why I need to remember the goodness of God? Because it'll lead you to repentance. It'll lead you to get right. And I think that's why we don't want to remember His goodness sometimes. Because the more we think about His goodness and the more we think about how good He really is and how He shed His blood on Calvary and and how He gave His back to the smiters and how they pulled out His beard and how they stuck a sword in His side and how He bore all that pain and suffering for us. Man, I tell you what, it brings us under conviction and makes us want to do right. Got to remember His goodness because it leads us to a place of repentance. Which brings me to number five, when I'm all swallowed up, I've got to learn to renounce my own sinfulness. When I'm all swallowed up with things, with troubles, trials, and difficulties, God's bringing me to a place I've got to learn to renounce my own sinfulness. Notice in chapter 2, verse 8, there's three things. It says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I want to show you three things real quick. First of all, you've got to stop the lies. You've got to stop the lies. You say, what in the fire are you talking about, preacher? you got to quit your lying. I haven't done anything wrong. If you're here today and you're married, you've said that before. you got to stop the lies. I haven't done anything wrong, preacher. Sure you haven't. That's number one. Number two, you've got to stop the vanity. What's that? It's everyone else's fault. I'm swallowed up because of everyone else's problems. I'm swallowed up because of her fault. I'm swallowed up because of his fault. She won't submit. She won't be under subjection. Why you got to be such a dictator, boss? Or can't you just love her? Aren't you glad God doesn't treat you the way you treat your spouse? Wow, I didn't get one single amen on that. What a blessing, amen. Let me give you number three. Not only do you got to stop the lies, stop the vanity, but you got to learn to cling to the mercy of God. Cling to the mercy. You know what you and I need this morning? We need mercy. You and I deserve to be in hell with gasoline britches on. Amen. He's, uh, mercy is what you need. Let me give you this one, number six. When I'm swallowed up, i got to seek restoration through sacrifice. Restoration through sacrifice. Look at verse 9. He says, For I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. I want you to see here in verse 9 that sacrifice, number 1, is the voice of thanksgiving. Isn't that wild? It's a sacrifice to give thanks. I'm saying this morning in verse 9, this sacrifice he's talking about is the voice of thanksgiving. What is that? Well, you get thankful for what you're swallowed up for. You get thankful for the trouble. You get thankful for the hard times. You get thankful for the death in the family. You get thankful for the busted up car. You get thankful for the busted up marriage. You get thankful for the misunderstandings between brethren and sisters. That's a sacrifice. It's you giving thanks to God for it. Lord, thank you for it. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. But thank you. But you saw fit to give it to me and not somebody else. Lord, help me to be just a rag in your back pocket somewhere. Sacrifice is a voice of thanksgiving. You remember what old Daniel did, right? Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, when they had that thing, uh, them suckers come up to the king and said, Oh, king, live forever, you know, and bow down and uh, kiss his feet and all that stuff. And they said, You can make this thing, and no one can pray to any other god but you. 
and they fixing to get Daniel. And as soon as Daniel found out that the, the decree was passed, you know what he did? He went up to his upper room there, as he did aforetime, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, and he gave thanks. For what? What he is about to go through. Thanks for the trouble, Lord. Thanks for the lion's den. Thanks for people being mad at me, Lord. Thanks for breaking my heart. Thanks for showing me I was wrong where I thought I was right. Sacrifice is the voice of thanksgiving. Not only that, but look in verse 9. I want you to see that sacrifice is your willingness to give God what you've been holding on to. Sacrifice is your willingness to give God what you've been holding on to. He says, I'll pay that I have vowed. I'm not reaching for your wall, but maybe that's what you're hanging on to. I have no idea. There's something that every Christian here today is holding on to that God wants. You know what God wants? He wants your willingness. That's the doctrine of the broken box. Some of you got wrapped your hands around that box, you know, that Mary had, that spikenard box. I mean, she broke that thing and poured it all over the Lord. What are you hanging on to this morning? You're all swallowed up. You're just hanging on to it for dear life. Here the, here the restoration is a sacrifice of your willingness to give God what you've been holding on to. What are you hanging on to? What are you afraid of? You're going to give God your family? Some of you hanging on to your families. It's in better hands with the Lord anyways. Some of you hanging on to the thought or the possibility of getting married. Why don't you give that thing to the Lord? Make some crazy decisions. What are you hanging on to? God wants it. And you're hanging on to it so tight. It's swallowing you up. Well, let's find a closing place of this, number seven. When I get all swallowed up, i got to see the resurrection or deliverance only happens when the Lord speaks to the fish. I want you to look at it in verse 10. That resurrection from the belly of the whale, or that deliverance, only happens when the Lord speaks to the fish. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Isn't that disgusting? That's gross, man. Whale puke. I guess the only worst thing is be going out the other end. Amen. Aren't you glad he went out the front end? Amen. You got to find something good about it. <laughs> when I get swallowed up, you got to see that the resurrection or deliverance only happens when the Lord speaks to the fish. I don't know. This is where we find an end of this message this morning. Maybe you're here today and you're swallowed up in life with troubles and trials and difficulties. Maybe you would really just like the Lord to speak to the fish or you could get a hold of that resurrection from trouble. Is that you this morning? You're like, oh man. Yeah, Lord, I really want you to talk to that whale because according to your word, once you speak to that fish, I get delivered from it. Wouldn't you like some deliverance this morning? Wouldn't you like some deliverance from your difficulty? All right. As my wife Elizabeth comes to play, why don't we do this? Why don't we take the time this morning and come talk to the Lord? Why don't you come talk to the Lord and ask him to talk to that fish for you? You see what I mean? If deliverance comes when the Lord talks to that whale, talks to that great fish, the Bible calls it, why don't you just go ahead and come talk to the Lord? 
why don't you go ahead and prime the pump? Maybe the Lord's waiting on you. If you want the Lord to talk to the fish, it's got you all swallowed up, why don't you make the first move and come talk to him? Come get your fellowship fixed up. Come get a hold of the one who, who allowed the trouble. Come and thank the Lord for the trouble. Come and give the Lord whatever it is you're holding on to this morning. Don't stay all swallowed up. Come speak to the Lord this morning if he's spoken to you.